It's time for the spring sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores. Capital Mazda, Stevens Creek Mazda, Concord Mazda, and Team Mazda. Hey, it's Shondell Grand. And right now we've got a huge selection of brand new Mazdas with exciting spring incentives across our entire lineup. Plus, you can buy your new Mazda completely online with our exclusive no-brainer checkout. Don't miss the spring sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores in San Jose, Concord, and Vallejo. Coming to you from the heart of Silicon Valley, this is CUDA Confidential, the official podcast of the San Jose Barracuda, AHL affiliate of the San Jose Sharks. Now, here's your host, Nick Nolenberger. The Barracuda returned back to the SAP Center for the first time this season on Tuesday, hosting the Bakersfield Condors for the third of four consecutive meetings between the two teams. Just the game prior, the Barracuda held a 3-2 lead in the third period before Cooper Marodi forced overtime with his third goal in regulation and Ryan McLeod completed the comeback win in OT just as he exited the penalty box. That victory extended Bakersfield's winning streak to eight straight games. On Tuesday, the Barracuda drew first blood at 324 the first, as Joachim Blickfeld sniped home his team-leading eighth goal of the year after Bakersfield's Luke Esposito was called for slashing at 317. In the bottom half in terms of penalty minutes per game, Blickfeld, there's a shot, he scores! Joachim Blickfeld does not wait long, he goes short side, and that oh-so-important first goal... Esposito's penalty would be the only one called in the game, marking just the third time in Barracuda history in which they weren't called for a single penalty. After Blickfeld's goal, the Condors would draw even, as rookie James Hamblin would make it goals in three of his last four games, tying it up at 14-22 of the second. And now Yarosh with the puck will slap it ahead right in the shin guards of Cracknell. It's a turnover. Hamlin near side. Stuckel. Oh my goodness, what a save. And then Hamlin scores. What a save by Kozhanash. As good of a stop as you will ever see. But the Condors are able to clean up the rebound and we're level at 1-1. Late in the second, though, at 18.08, Sasha Shambolevsky would put the Barracuda back on top with his second of the year. Back towards the net by Magna, off the wall, center in front, big rebound, they score! Shemilevsky, able to bury it past Skinner, and the Barracuda takes the lead back. Shemilevsky has his second of the year. It comes with under two minutes to go in the second period. So for the second consecutive game, the Barracuda had a third period lead against Bakersfield. But the Cardiac Condors proved once again to be a tough out. Veteran Joe Gambardella would work his way to the slot and bury one past Yosef Kozhanash on the backhand at 16.30. Under four minutes to go, 2-1 lead for the Barracuda. Here's a chance, Gambardella, backhander, he scores! Joe Gambardella was threatening back in the first. He had a couple of really good opportunities. And against the grain, working into the slot, he beats Kozhanash on a perfectly place backhand and once again we would need overtime to decide it in overtime Luke Esposito would direct in a perfect Vincent Dayarne pass for the overtime winner for Esposito it was his sixth goal of the year and his fourth against the Barracuda it's gonna be a, what looked like an icing but play will continue now Marodi down the wing 
Oh, spinorama. It's a one on three. Defensively, the Bear could recover, and they score. Dayarnay puts it in on net. It's tipped home. It's Luke Esposito in overtime who wins it. After Tuesday's loss, assistant coach Michael Chason spoke to the media about his team trying to find a way to close out the Condors. He also spoke about the challenges that Bakersfield presents. Yeah, after after rewatching the game, Noli, I think you know we're we're at that point in the year where you know we got to try to find a way to continue to string some games together, and we can't you know lose them you know back to back games like that. Obviously, Bakersfield's got a you know a good team and you know some good players playing well. You know, Marodi, Benson, Cracknell's heavy. Their goaltender Skinner's done a good job against us, but you know those two games we lost in overtime. We thought were were winnable games. You know, we're leading the game late. You know what I mean? Then obviously it gets tied up, and then obviously having some chances in overtime and. Each of the, each of uh, in that first game, and you know it's it's one of those things we got to try to find a way to close some games out here. Looking at Bakersfield, clearly a challenging opponent for everybody. They played this season coming into tonight's game. They've won nine in a row. That line specifically of Benson, McLeod, Marodi has been very effective. But as a whole, what makes this group such a challenge so far this year? I think they keep things simple. You know what I mean? They, they they don't shoot themselves in the foot and, you know, they, they have some veteran guys, you know, who who've done a good job of stabilizing some things for them. You know, they've 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 scored different goals against us different ways. Um, you know, last night they, they, they created and generated a lot off of, you know, the neutral zone and some line rushes against, you know, nine of their twenty chances. I say twenty chances against, obviously, you know, that's that's a big number that we gotta get down to, you know, ten, eleven, you know, and we gotta find a way to cut that in half. So you know, that being said, we, we got to do a better job as a group here. and We got to look to a man to try to find a way to uh, get some points tonight and come out on the winning ledger. Entering Wednesday, Bakersfield was riding a nine-game winning streak and were 4-0 and in four prior meetings against the Barracuda. But the luck of the Irish was on the side of those who wore teal. Joel Shulman, in just his second game back from the Sharks, opened up the scoring at 122 of the second. And points in seven of his last eight. Here comes Nason down the left wing side. McLeod was all draped on, on top of him, centered in front, they score! Joel Shellman goes Feifel, and the Barracuda take the first lead of the game, a minute and 22 seconds into the second period. Then Yosef Koshinash would make save after save, stopping all 17 shots by the Condors in the second period, including this beauty off of Joe Gambardella. Benson, McLeod, save is made. Another chance turned aside by Yosef Koshinash on Gambardella. Late in the second, Jeff Fiel would snap a 10-game goalless drought and give the Barracuda its first two-goal lead against Bakersfield this season by Shellman, or rather by Nason, and lost his twig. Now Stefan Nason to the near side, VL waits it out, he shoots, he scores! Jeff Fiel had a partial break just moments ago that Rodriguez came up with a blocker save, not this time, he beats him short side. In the third, Tyler Benson would finally get the Condors on the board banking a shot off of Kozhenov from below the goal line at 240. But Jake Middleton would then extend the Barracuda's lead back up to two with his first of the year and first since January of 2020. He's got Jake Middleton, works to the dot, and at the final moment, Krakto closes the gap, then Middleton, he scores! 
And then Joachim Blickfeld would give the Barracuda a three-goal lead and make it goals in three straight at 11-24 the third. Shellman could be a two-on-one. He's got Blickfeld, gets it over to him, shoots! He scores! Blickfeld's got his ninth of, his, of the year, his third consecutive game with a goal. The Condors would make it really interesting, though, as Adam Cracknell would score 25 seconds after Blickfeld's goal to make it 4-2, and then 28 seconds after Cracknell's goal at 12-17, Seth Griffith would make it 4-3. But Josef Kozhnash would batten down the hatches, ending Bakersfield's winning streak at nine games. After Wednesday, the Barracuda were back on the road traveling out to Las Vegas to take on the Henderson Silver Knights on Saturday and Sunday afternoon. Saturday marked the first home game for the Silver Knights in the month of March. As Henderson entered Saturday's game with an AHL best 11-2 record and a perfect 5-0 record on home ice. Saturday's game also marked the first game this season in which the Silver Knights would be playing in front of fans. Saturday also marked the return of forward Ivan Jakovic, who had began the season in the KHL, where he led all U-22 skaters with 34 points. This was Sommer talking before the game about the return of Jakovic into his lineup. I'm actually kind of excited to see, you know, where he's how far he's come. Um, I know last year was a, it was a rough year for him. Um, I don't think he met his expectations and I know the organization didn't think he did. And, you know, he kind of had a little pause and then caught on with uh, uh, a Russian team over there. And, and uh, you know, they put him right in, played him a lot, played with good players, put up points. You know, he was like a, a goal and an assist every game. So I'm excited to see, you know, his improvement and uh, to see where he's at. Just 30 seconds into Saturday's game, Nick Simone was called for hooking. And Dylan Sakura would rip in his team-leading fourth power play goal of the year on Henderson's first shot of the game. Comes Sakura, hands off O'Regan, drop to the right wing side, pinching along the right wall is Jack Dugan. There's a shot, they score! After Sakura's goal, the Barracuda would settle into the game, and at 5.35, Chikovic spotted Latunov in the slot, and the team's MVP from a season ago would snipe in his second of the year to tie the game up at 1-1. Slap back into the corner. Now Malosh running two on the right side. Scooped up by Blickfeld, carried to the blue line. Stuck back along into the goal and turned aside by Thompson. Centered in front. Here's a chance. Latunov. He shoots. He scores. A quick hitter and Maxime Latunov sneaking down Main Street goes top shelf. As the period wound down, it looked like we were going to head into the first intermission tied at 1-1. But with one-tenth of a second remaining in the period, Alexander True was able to jam in a loose puck for a March Madness buzzer beater just as the horn sounded. Down in deep there by Russo. Turnover forced. True going hard to the net. It's a scramble in front. Where's the puck? True. He scores! There are zeros on the clock. This is going to need a review. The celebration is on. It's a buzzard beater for True. If it's good. For True, it extended his point streak to five consecutive games. Entering Saturday's second period, the Silver Knights boasted one of the best goal differentials in the second in the AHL at plus 11.
And that trend continued as former Shark prospect Danny O'Regan tied the game up at 2-2 at 12:53. 7-12 remaining in the second. Here comes Sakura, the only goal scorer so far for the Silver. Nice shot score! Danny O'Regan took it off the stick of Jake Middleton, who misplayed it, and his former teammate goes top shelf. And the Silver Knights have tied it at 2-2. Then Paul Cotter at 15:36 would give Henderson its lead back, a lead they would not give up. Silver Knights are back into the offensive zone. Brown had it for a moment. Pick back up, and they score. A quick shot there from Paul Cotter, and it beats Melnichuk over the left shoulder. Two unanswered goals in the second period, and the Silver Knights are back up on top. To begin the third, Alexei Melnichuk was replaced by Zach Sachenko in the nets for the Barracuda. Melnichuk suffered an apparent lower body injury right at the end of the second period. In the third, Henderson would put the game out of reach as Jake Lecision netted his second of the year at 13-11. And then Ben Jones scored on the empty net at 17-21. Barracuda head coach Roy Sommer spoke after the game. Well, if you look at the start, it was... uh... Again, the, the first shot goes in. It's kind of a little demoralizing um, for everyone. But, you know, I thought we picked up right after that. And, you know, we came back and, uh, you know, went ahead like real late in the first period, like with a second left. And I think the chances were uh, eight to two for us, the chances four. So I thought we played a really good first, played with a lot of speed, made plays. We were good through the neutral zone. And then... Uh, Second period came, and, you know, they kind of start taking it to us a little bit, similar to what they did to San Diego. They kind of rope-a-dope them down there, too, and their goaltender kept them in it, and kind of the same thing in the first for them. And then they get get a little bit of uh, uh, momentum going, and, hey, they've got shooters on their team, and, you know, they a couple quick ones, and then all of a sudden now – Instead of up 2-1, we're down 3-2 after the the second. And then, you know, the quick one there in the, in the third. And basically, it was just too much to catch up. Sunday's rematch with the Silver Knights had a special twist. March 21st is National Down Syndrome Day. Mo Sommer, the son of Barracuda head coach Roy Sommer, was celebrated pregame with a photo at center ice with both teams. Both clubs also wore mismatched socks during the game as part of Rock Your Socks, which is a campaign to create conversation about diversity and inclusion, that we can all be unique in our own way and we can all do the same thing. This was Sommer talking about the pregame ceremony. Yeah, that was pretty, it was pretty cool. Uh, Mo didn't really want to go on the ice at first, but then once he saw the guys go through the gate, then he was kind of up for it. But, you know, they, you know, it was it was it was pretty neat, you know. Like both teams got together, and Mo was in the middle, and and uh, you know it's a good thing for World Down Syndrome Day, and you know kind of give those kids a little bit bit of respect, and uh, you know so deserved. Sommer says he sees National Down Syndrome Day becoming bigger and bigger. I think so. I think they could probably do something with it, you know, like you know like sell socks or do something or you know just but just the awareness that's the biggest thing that uh you know they're a special group and they don't always get the recognition they deserve for the players having mo around is one of the team's biggest joys for mo the same thing can be said Sommer says during the pandemic he certainly missed being around the guys yeah no it's good like like the, the summer during this the, the covid crisis 
you know, we were up in Montana and every day was see the guys do some work, you know, like he missed them. He missed being on the road, missed being on the bus and going in the locker room and hanging out. And, you know, it's been part of his life, you know, since he was a little kid. So it's, uh, you know, big part of what he enjoys in life. That's for sure. In the game, the Barracuda would outshoot the Knights in every period in 38-21 in the game. But Henderson would again score on its first power play of the game as Pavel Dorofiev made it 1-0 at 446 of the first with his third of the year. Henderson entering the afternoon, 15th in the AHL on the power play at 17.3%. They're 9 for 52 on the manpower advantage this year. 14.4% on home ice. Here's a shot. They score. Make it three straight on the power play. And the goal comes four minutes and 46 seconds into the first. Then in the second, after the Barracuda had pressured relentlessly to tie the game up, Silver Knights rookie Jack Dugan would clean up a rebound to make it 2-0 Henderson at 17-12. Dahlstrom will play it along for Quinney. Quinney, high slot. Save is made. Sachenko and they score on the rebound. Jack Dugan, who came into the game tied for third among AHL rookies in points, has a goal here. In the third, Danny O'Regan would pot an empty netter, and Tyrell Goldborn would score 12 seconds after that to give Henderson a 4-0 lead. Logan Thompson would make 38 saves to earn his first AHL shutout and his fifth consecutive win, as the Knights stayed perfect on home ice. The Barracuda wrap up their three-game road trip in Bakersfield on Wednesday before returning back to the Bay Area for a game the following Tuesday against the Condors to finish up a 12-game month of March. We'll sit down with assistant coach Michael Chason when we come back. This is Cuda Confidential. We welcome in assistant coach of the San Jose Barracuda, Michael Chason. Chaser, first of all, thank you very much. For the time coming off a couple of games out in Henderson against the Silver Knights. Your first opportunity to take on a team that's sitting atop the AHL Pacific Division. I know it was not the result you hoped for, certainly on Sunday, four to nothing loss, but overall it seemed like, you know, from a coaching standpoint, you guys were somewhat pleased with the performance and the effort that the team put out there on Sunday, just not quite the result that you were looking for. Yeah, I mean, I think the the second game as a whole, you know, you you rewatch the game, you look at a few, you know, kind of indicators that we like to look at internally. And, you know, we we definitely outchanced them, you know, two to one. Um, you know, we, we definitely had quality looks, you know, and, and, and their goalie made some timely saves. It felt like we broke the puck out pretty quick last game, which usually leads to us having some success. We slowed them down in the neutral zone and, you know, we just didn't find a way to capitalize on our chances. And, you know, go, going back into there next time we play them, we'll have to find a way to get a, a greasy kind of dirty goal and, you know, get to that net front and, and, and capitalize on those opportunities we're creating. So you've seen the best team in the division so far, and right now the best team in the AHL. Where do you guys stack up? I know it was you know an 0-2 weekend, no points in the two games, but a Henderson team that's really right out of the gate has been the best team, and if not one of the best teams in the league. Where do you think your group stacks up at this point in the season? I would say, um, you know, that that being said, you know, they're they're definitely at the top of the standings for a reason. You know, they're getting some quality goaltending. 
finding different ways to score, you know, off the rush, you know, in zone, uh, special teams. So they're, they're, they're doing a good job, but I think, you know, if, if we play closer to our game, like we did on Sunday, um, you know, and, and, and we have a healthy lineup and, and, you know, we, we do a good job of capitalizing on those chances and limiting their chances. I really like our odds against that team. I think there's a, there's a good matchup and hopefully there's a, a healthy rivalry for the next couple of years. Ivan Djokovic made his season debut with your group on Saturday, picked up a nice little assist on Maxime Latunov's goal. He got roughed up a little bit in that Saturday game as well. Roy mentioned it. It's, it's a different uh, type of animal here in North America. There's uh, more physical play. But what do you think of his game for a guy coming back, hadn't played with your team all season long? It seemed like he had a pretty good jump. And felt like uh, at least in game number one, he was certainly engaged in the game for sure. So I think with Checo, um, Noli, I think we, we, we did a good job there of, you know, not putting too much expectations on him, you know, not a, not a, you know, no practices, you know, just kind of single workouts for him while he was in quarantine, you know, so it's, it's, uh, it's a tough, tough opportunity for him to kind of jump all over. But like you said, you know, I think, uh, I think for him, you know, it was, it was definitely a, a good showing, you know what I mean? Obviously he had some sec success in the KHL and we saw a lot of, uh, you know, the reasons why that translated there, obviously, you know, I know, like you said, he, he did get roughed up a little bit in that first game and, you know, I know mids mids went over and, you know, kind of challenged that guy that kind of took a run at him. So that was good to see from our group, you know, sticking up for, for a guy who's coming back in, you know, back, back into the fold with our organization. But I think Checo will get better as time comes along. And, you know, I think we'll, we'll be looking and, and relying on him to find, find ways to provide offense for us and, you know, be a uh, catalyst for our offense. Looking ahead, you've got Bakersfield this upcoming Wednesday. We'll wrap up a three-game road trip, and then you've got them the next time you play again the following Tuesday. You're very familiar now at this point with Bakersfield, a team that started off slow but has been very good since that point. What do you expect going into Wednesday's game, and can you take anything from the last time you faced them and you were able to pick up a 4-3 to three win? Yeah, I mean, you look at you look at the you know the last four games we played them right. You know, we we come out with four four of eight points. You know what I mean? Obviously, a lot of our pre scout stuff. You know, we we looked at their game last night against Ontario, which which will give us an idea of you know if they've changed anything up or you know based off of personnel or anything like that. But you know, we we know the 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 opportunity we have against this team. You know, they, they're getting good goaltending. You know, they're finding ways to win whether it's late in games special teams you know their their penalty kill was great you know last time we played them so we got to find a way to capitalize on on those opportunities but i think you know if if we break the puck out quick you know we we do a better job in the neutral zone that was an area that we knew we needed to clean up and we feel like we did a better job against vegas um so hopefully we that could translate and and, and roll into this 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 wednesday game against Baco. but you know i i think uh if we do a good job of keeping it simple managing the puck and, and slowing this team down in the neutral zone i think we'll have some success we're talking to assistant coach Michael Chason. Bakersfield has three of the top four point getters so far this season. They're all on the same line. I know they've got some depth scoring. One of the reasons for their success over this run has been, you know, the depth scoring. They've been getting contributions up and down the lineup. But you really obviously have to focus on that line and trying to slow them down. What's an approach? You mentioned slowing them down through the neutral zone. But, you know, you, you've got to have line matches you've got to do everything in your power to try to slow these guys down so what's what's one of the approaches to try to limit their chances yeah i mean like you said at home it's easier to get those matchups but you know we'll we'll try to limit you know the, the the time and space those guys have you know i mentioned the neutral zone but hopefully you know guys like middleton you know magna um Malosh, you know those guys can can find ways to slow these guys down take away that time and space and 
you know, make sure these guys, if they want to get inside and get to the house, you know, they, they, they know they're going to have to earn it. They know they're going to have to work for it. And, you know, they're not going to be able to knife through like butter. So hopefully we can, you know, start on time in this building. That's obviously been a trend, you know, that, that we need to find a way to do They're They're really successful when they get that first goal and, you know, then they can dictate the pace and, and the way they want to play. So hopefully we can do that by breaking the puck out clean and, and starting on time right away. But that top line, they've, they found a way to be successful, not only against us, but, you know, the rest of the Pacific division as well. Looking at some of your young players, this is such a unique season. You know, it's condensed. It was a long off season, and there's a lot getting thrown at these young players. And some of them, you know, digesting it on the fly, trying to implement it in their game. But how have you felt like the young players have adapted so far this season? And as a coaching staff, how do you guys continue to try to push these guys and not to put too much on their plate, try to have them to, to get as much success as possible, but also try to get them up to speed as quick as possible? Yeah, like you said, we, we got a lot of first year guys, right? So that's a, it's an interesting, you know, situation, not something, you know, out here in San Jose, we're, we're, we're not used to, right? It's, we, we always have a, a handful of first or second year pros coming in. And, you know, the nice part about them is they're all quality kids, right? They want to learn, they want to be successful. They want to find a way to get to the NHL and help the Sharks. So that's, that's key. You know, that allows us to do our job, but with this, this year as a whole, right? You know, a lot of Zoom video, you know what I mean? A lot of, you know, teaching on the ice, you know, John McCarthy's done a great job of, you know, taking over that development role, you know, trying to find different ways to add little little skills to guys' tool bags and work on some things that a lot of guys need need time on. So we're building in time during the week for practice for that. And, you know, it's it's been an interesting year, but we're, we're trying the best we can to make sure these guys are getting the most out of it, you know, both on and off the ice. It was interesting with training camp being in Arizona and then starting the season on the road, it felt like once you got back to the Bay Area, you'd get some comfort back at home. But this has really been a very road-heavy month of March. You finally do return back home next week, and it'll kind of kickstart a, a good lengthy time on home ice aside from one game down in Irvine. Are you excited to get back home? And Do you think the team can continue to gel as they find that comfort back being in the Bay Area for an extended period of time? Hopefully. Yeah. I mean, we're, you know, whether it's SAP or, you know, uh, solar for America ice, you know, I think that, you know, we've, we found ways to, you know, build our schedule, get guys the touches they need, the reps they need in practice. And, you know, just having a gym for these guys to work out. And you know what I mean? Like there's only so much these guys can do, you know, with the gyms that are provided on the road, you know what I mean? In, in the away locker rooms and different things like that. So it's tough, but you know, it'll allow these guys to get some treatments and workouts underneath their belt, the touches they need on the ice. And, you know, it allow us to, you know, put in some time with these guys too, to be able to build those zoom meetings and have that time for these guys to be successful. So I think home is, you know, the comfort of sleeping in your own bed, cooking your own meals, you know, that kind of stuff is, is always a, a perk, but I think that from the development side and the comfort side of, you know, being in your locker room, you know, and, and, and cooking those home cooked meals, I think will be a, a, a nice luxury that we'll look to have, like you said, in that, uh, that month of April. We've talked about it quite a bit, but, you're continuing to have to conduct these meetings over Zoom, which has been an adjustment. I'm sure players at this point are pretty comfortable with it. As a coaching staff, I'm sure you're comfortable with it. But there's something that's different about not being in person and, and talking to these guys and coaching them up in person. So how do you feel like the players have been able to adjust? And, you know, from your standpoint, how do you feel like they've been able to digest the information that you've tried to implement so far? Yeah, like you said, I mean, it's it's a new world, right? I mean, there's there's a lot of tricks of the trade that we're, we're, we're trying to incorporate into these Zoom meetings and make sure guys understand, you know, the message that we're trying to get across. And, 
you know, that's both five on five individual teaching clips, you know, power play PK, um, you know, all those things we need to, you know, make sure that guys understand because that's the way these guys learn. So it's a lot of follow-up conversations, you know, on the ice in practice before practice, shooting them a text, giving them a call, seeing what they took away from those meetings. You know, it's, it's a little bit more of a little bit more time consuming, but you know, the players are responding well. And I think that they're, they're getting the most out of these meetings and, you know, there's not really a ton of confusion as far as, you know, what Roy's expectations are five on five. You know, I think we're trying to find our game here. And I think the last little bit, we're seeing a little bit more consistent play from these guys. And um, hopefully that can gel into, you know, like you said, that month of April where we have a lot of home games where we can take advantage of that. We're talking to assistant coach Michael Chase. Son, last question for you, Chase. We've talked about this a little bit as well, but you've got Roy Sommer back in the fold as the head coach. You and Jimmy Bono back for your third season as assistant coaches. Has Roy changed at all since he went up to the National Hockey League? Has he changed at all from what you what you had with him in the first year? Is he is he a little bit different? Is he less hard on the guys? Is he NHL on you? What's different about Roy since he's come back? Well, I will say this year, um, you know, no bolo tie. So that's definitely been a, uh, been, been a new wrinkle that, that we've seen. Obviously we're being on the road, you know, starting in Arizona, we're going a little bit more, you know, kind of pro casual, you know, we got a nice, a nice sharks jacket we're wearing with a golf polo underneath. So you don't get to see the, uh, the cowboy staple of, you know, the, the bolo tie. So that's something I definitely miss, but you know, in, in all seriousness, um, just a little bit more familiarity, right? You know, what cowboy wants, you know, what his expectations are, um, you know, the things that he needs to be successful. And it's our job as assistant coaches to, uh, you know, provide him with that information and relay the information that we get from the players on a, you know, day-to-day basis. So I think, you know, that being said, there's just a little bit more familiarity, you know what I mean? The expectation of, you know, how he runs things, what, what he wants done, what, what his expectations are, not only as a staff, but with the players. And I think it's just a little bit more familiarity there, but um, you know, adding in a guy like Danny Sabarin and, you know, John McCarthy full-time you know, that's, that's been great too, right? Just more eyes, you know, more, more great hockey people, more great hockey minds that kind of bounce some stuff off of. And, you know, we, we do the best we can to make sure our players are in a position to be successful and continue to develop on and off the ice every day. That's been Cowboys message. Been very clear since day one. And, um, you know, that hasn't changed. Michael Chase, I'm always gracious with your time. We appreciate it on your day off too. So thank you very much. And uh, I'll always uh, enjoy the insight. Awesome. Thanks for your time, Noah.